0: morning, Southridge. How are you guys doing today? I'm really excited because um, we should all be excited whenever we see transformation happen in people's lives, right? Yeah? Next week, we have a baptism. Two adults are being baptized. Isn't that awesome? It's really, really cool. Yeah, sure. Awesome. It's really cool. And not only that, but we have a bunch of things happening in our church that I've been watching God working and uh, we, we've been talking to our teens as well about what would it look like to have a baptism. See, we have this, uh, this beach party we do every year at Crescent Beach. Usually fun and barbecue and games and all that stuff. But this year, there's been an interest in doing baptism. So we had nine come to me the other day and say that we, want, we would like to, do, to look at what it would look like to be, be baptized at Crescent Beach. Isn't that awesome? It's good. It's awesome. And what's, what's so amazing about that is that... Um, that we have an opportunity here that's really, really cool. I don't want this just to be a youth thing. I don't want it. We're, like, I'm going to ask that you guys come in, and, and, and piggyback or hijack our event. Because I think on June 3rd is our event. It's a, it's a youth event. And some of you who are too young or too old, you can't come, I understand, because you're too young or too old. But, but we're going to invite everybody to come at 8 p.m. at Crescent Beach on June 3rd. It's a Wednesday night to come and witness this. And the reason why I want you to witness this is one of the reasons why is because I think it's important that when we talk about youth ministry, we talk about the success of youth ministry, not being one to just a program and not being one to not only to Jesus, because that's the the important part that they get one to the idea of that they're part of a greater family. That Southridge is their family. Some of these kids don't go to our church. Some of the, especially some of the families don't go to our church. I think what an awesome opportunity for you as people from Southridge to join in and say, yeah, let's be a part of this. Let's be a part of Southridge's event as a youth group, but it's a Southridge event that we can come and we can enjoy these, these transformational um, um, things that are happening. I think it's so cool. And for some of you, you might be like, you know what? Ocean, I'm in. And you might be that close and you think, if I could just be baptized in the ocean, that's my next step. I'm, it's a baptism. If you're thinking um, baptism is your next step and you'd like to do in the ocean, we will open it up. We will open it up to the rest of you. <laughs> not just to the teens. So if you would like to be baptized and you want to join in with this, we'll just keep adding the numbers up. Um, and we're not going to say no to anybody if they're ready to go, if they're ready to feel like, yeah, this is my next step, that we do this baptism. And what we're going to do is we're not going to just leave it as a, an off-site thing. We're going to show it all of these baptisms throughout the month of June here. Isn't that awesome? It's really cool. So if you aren't able to do it, yes, go ahead. I've stopped you so many times from clapping. But it's really good to have this opportunity to, to see this live. But if you, if you can't come, and, and, you know, there is we, there's a beach where you can, if you find it hard to get to, um, to beaches sometimes. This is a great beach you can sit up. You don't have to get all the way down to the rocks and halfway in the water to see what's going on. Um, so it's going to be really, really cool. Now, my son, Benjamin, he, uh, we, we were, as a family, we go to Crescent Beach a lot. Um, growing up on the island, we just love the ocean, so we're always going to the ocean. And one, one time, our family's going to the, to the Crescent Beach, and in the car, uh, Benjamin asked me this very unusual question. He said, is there water at the beach? I was like, that's a really weird question. So I said, uh, yeah, you know, there's water. There's rocks and sand and the ocean, seaweed, crabs. You know, yeah, there's, there's definitely water at the beach. And, he's, and you could see him kind of thinking through this through. And then he says, he says well, I, okay. See, he's five at the time. I want to get baptized. I'm like, oh, man, okay. He's never talked about this before. This has never happened before. He's never talked about it. He, is, he did accept Jesus. So he's had that done already. So, but Christy and I were really wrestling through, like, five is really young. We're not opposed to doing anything crazy for God, but at the same time, we, we, we haven't even talked to him about this stuff, so we'll have to talk to him about this. So we, I said, you know what, Benjamin, I love that you want to get baptized, but right now, there's not going to be any baptisms today. Um, so he's just turned six, and um, you can see, like, he's trying to wrestle this through, and he gets this frown on his face. And in which he, he mutters in a kind of growly voice under his breath, he says, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> so if it's you, that don't let me stop you from being baptized if, you're, if this is you. Um, because maybe this is your time. Maybe God's tugging you to be like, yeah, you know what? This might be an opportunity for you to, to, to do this. Um, man, I'm going to have a t- t- tough time when he's a teenager, but... Uh, <laughs> So don't let me stop you. If you want to talk uh, to Kirk or myself, Brent's going to be away at that point on sabbatical, but if you'd like to talk to one of us, we would love to talk with you about what that next step would look like for you. So, into our sermon now. And uh, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever risked your reputation for something crazy? Have you ever been associated with people and, and someone said something because of association and it shocked you what they said? You know, just a little while ago, I was with some of our teens in our church, and we were at an event, I think, somewhere, or maybe just hanging out. I don't remember what we were doing, but we weren't here, and we were walking around, and, um, and we were being, probably laughing and joking and being silly, but um, comes, comes the territory. And we're, this is happening, and then this, this older lady comes up to us and says, oh, you young people. And something about us being loud. And I thought, young people? This is awesome! I'm a young people! And uh, obviously, she didn't see my receding hairline, so... Yeah, you're probably thinking, "What? A line? It's not a line anymore, Wes." <laughs> oh man! Um, but have you ever had it, that association thing where where you're being associated with something and it has really made your day? And how did it feel? Like, wow, this this feels pretty good. Or how about those times when when you've been associated with something or someone like a friend with bad character, and uh, and and it's gone the other way? Often I talk to teens about this at, at youth, you know, like. <laughs> There's really good kids. And they're all, they're all good kids. But there's really good kids. And they always tend to get these bad friends that always suck them into, bad, into trouble. I remember recently, I'm, I'm talking to them. You're going to be suspended from youth if you do not smarten up to some of them. I was really strict with them. And this kid, he's just like, just looking at me like, oh, I know, but it's not me. And, <coughs> excuse me. and you see, like, being associated with bad people can kind of get into trouble sometimes. And, and making your choices that way of who you choose to be friends with and where you are at certain times. I remember my mom, when I was younger, I always tended to gravitate towards, oh, there's a fight going on in my school. So I'm going to, like, go watch what's going on. Like, I was there at the fight to tell my friends or whatever it was. And my mom's like, don't do that. Don't go there. They're going to think you're part of it. And then you're going to get in trouble. And sure enough, that didn't happen. So I could prove it wrong. No. Um, but... But I, it didn't happen. But I mean, like that could have happened. I could have been like right there and someone thinks or I pulled into it or whatever. Or how about being associated as an older person as the grumpy type? You know, like you like, oh, it's just a grumpy old person. Or how about being associated with being young and saying, oh, it's, it's those young irresponsible people. You know those feelings. Sometimes we're associated by the, the, the race we are, by the cultural habits due to the way we dress or comb our hair. Yes, hipsters, I'm talking about you. Um, Or the music you listen to. The music you listen to, the shows you watch, the sports you're into, the cars you drive, the area of Langley you live in can associate you with with something, where you go to school, where you prefer to get your coffee. Starbucks or Tim Hortons, that's why we give you options. (laughs) What you spend your money on. We can all get associated with something without looking to be. And we can also be associated with stuff with that we're trying to be. We, ha- I, we have a kid in our church that um, shared me this story. Um, he's 10. And he shared me this story about how he was so excited. He got Camp Qantas was here the other day. You remember seeing them in the in the foyer. And he's got these little tattoos. These temporary tattoos. Don't worry, they're not all permanent. I wouldn't let that happen to my kids. But, you know, I'm just joking. Um, but he we got these ta- uh, temporary tattoos. And he says... I'm going to give this to all my friends because I want them to come to camp. And he's excited. And so he's telling me this story. And so he brings it to this group of friends. And he's got one kid that's a Christian. The rest of them aren't. So he comes up to me. He's so excited. He's just, I want to tell them about camp. And I want to get them to come to camp. He knows that that, that at camp they're going to hear about Jesus. And so as he goes up to this this first friend, this first friend comes up and says, what is this? Is it religious? Because if it's religious, I don't want anything to do with this. And he's tense. He's just certain, like, oh, man, he's just hurt. Like, this is his friend. He's just excited about, gambling. excited about Jesus. He's trying to just do something. And I don't want to debate whether or not it's a religion or relationship with Jesus. I don't think that it really, like, to the point really is that he was hurt because he was associated with Jesus. Now he's labeled as a Jesus follower to that friend. Guaranteed. If he didn't know before, he now knows. If it is religious, somehow he figured out that it might be religious and therefore that this is where he's at and he didn't want any part of it. We're going to look at a story in the Bible about Joseph of Arimathea and how he was associated with Jesus and how he stuck his neck out to, to show that in a, in a huge way. So let's, uh, let's pray and let's uh, get into the word. Let's pray together. Jesus, we come before you and ask for you to help in transforming our hearts through your spirit. Thank you for the story we will read today. We pray that What Joseph did for you after your death will encourage and inspire us to follow you more closely in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want to turn your Bibles or flip open your phones to Matthew 15, um, this is uh, 42 to 47. I'm going to read this for you and you can follow along if you like. So Matthew 15, 42 says this. It was preparation day. That is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Now, after doing some research into this, preparing for this message today, it's really interesting. One of the commentaries says that that this is like the lull in the storm. When I think of the lull in the storm, I think of the eye of a hurricane. You know what I'm talking about? When you have like, there's the fierce, like crazy, this is awesome. This is crazy. This is powerful thing. And then you have this dead calm in the middle. But you know there's something else coming after us, right? Because it's circling around. And I think that what the commentary is trying to show us is that this really is the, between two, the, two, the two biggest events in, in humanity. Jesus' death on one side and Jesus' resurrection. And I think if we view it as that, this is a huge event, but we're stuck right in the middle of this lull in the storm or the eye of the storm where everything seems to be calm and we, and we see that, hey, this, this is interesting. There's still things going on. We're going to focus on Joseph today, so I think it'd be it'd be good for us to kind of work through some of these things that that we see about Joseph. If we're going to figure out what happened with Joseph, let's see what he says. So here's some of the things. So the first thing we hear is he's Joseph from Arimathea, so it's got to be a town or region in the area. He is a prominent member of the council. Interesting. So he's he's a he's a Jew. He's a part of the council. He was waiting for the kingdom of God. Even more interesting, he's anticipating God's kingdom. He was tuned to looking for this. He also went boldly to Pilate for, and asked for Jesus' body, which this is key for what we're going to talk about later. He took care of the burial needs of Jesus, which any devout Jew would do, is they would make sure they don't defile the Sabbath, make sure the body's not hanging there over the Sabbath, so take the body down, care for it, do what's needed. And lastly, oh wait, oh and the other thing is, that, is the, the, the tomb cut out of the rock. He had a tomb. He had possession of a tomb. If you had a tomb, you likely had money. You had, had enough wealth to be able to buy the tomb, and, and, it, and, and it, was, it, was, uh, it was something that, that was in his possession. But lastly, this is, this is interesting. I don't know if you caught this, but either he was very, 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 very strong, or he had helpers, because that that's stone, <laughs> to roll that in there, I don't know, I've tried to roll stones before. But you imagine, okay, he's got to be, and one of the Gospels actually talks about Nicodemus being there, and. Possible that the, if he's wealthy, he had some servants, and, and, they, and they were able to, to help him roll that stone. Now, continuing on this, in this passage, there's other things to note. Pilate, being surprised, wasn't surprising. Jesus d- died way sooner than most people. He willingly gave up his life. I think that's really important to see there, that he willingly gave up his life. He chose when he wanted to die. Often, when criminals died, they break the legs. His legs weren't broken; not a bone was broken in his body. So, when these criminals, um, often criminals, were had their legs broken, that was to speed up the process, so that it wouldn't last. Because this could last for days. They also interesting that it took it took Pilate um, him to go to his centurion to be able to figure out. He didn't trust Joseph. He went to the centurion to say, "Hey, is this true?" And after he heard the centurion say, yes, this is true, then he said, oh, okay, then Joseph, you can take it, which is unusual for them to not give it to a relative. But here he is. Something else to note note in this passage, that that there were others that saw where Jesus laid. It wasn't just one person that said, okay, yeah, this is where Jesus laid. We can trust them and that's fine. We'll just not see where it is. No, it was lots of people that saw Raheem's. There's no question that you can say, well, did they get confused? Is this the right grave? Is this somebody else? Is this, what is this? I, she's down the street where he got buried. This, this isn't the issue. The other interesting thing is that there were women involved. And Mark purposely does this. He purposely makes sure of this. And I think that's interesting because when you look at, um, at this time in the world, women's women's testimony was disputable. This was not something, if you were going to lie about it, if you're going to make up the story to say, Jesus rose from the dead, hallelujah, that this isn't the way they would do this. They would make sure there was a man's testimony, but they didn't. Mark shows this, that it was the women that first saw. It's very interesting. It's different than what we might expect. But to me, that proves that, that they're just sharing, this is what happened. They're not going to candy coat it. They're not going to sh- share it in a different way. They're not going to de- de- defile this, this story. This is it. And this is, how, this, is, um, this is what happened. So going back to Joseph, Joseph stuck his neck out, didn't he? You notice he went boldly, associating himself with Jesus and his followers while being a prominent member of the Jewish council. So if he is a pro- prominent Jewish member or a Jewish ca- prominent member of the Jewish council, he was also a supporter of Jesus. He had some sort of inkling that there's something different about Jesus here. And being that prominent member, he is susceptible to severe punishment. To say, what are you doing? We just saw this happen to to what they believe God was doing. But here he is saying, no, I want to care for Jesus. He knew what he had to do and he still did it. Joseph did a loving act because if, if it was just what happened to all criminals on the, on, the, on the cross, if he didn't do it the proper way and did it this way, he would have just been thrown into a mass grave with all the other criminals that have gone before him. Fulfilling prophecy showing that this is what happened for him, that it wasn't the type of burial that he was going to have. So Joseph wasn't the only one to stick out his, his neck. We see that there's, there's a lot of people that stick out their neck for um, risking their reputation for the sake of a cause. I think he was influenced by somebody. Obviously, he was influenced by somebody. Somebody that he had the incredible privilege of burying. I think Jesus had a, a big play in, in, in how he viewed things. I think that uh, G, when you look at Jesus' life, he wasn't, offend, wasn't, he wasn't concerned about offending people. He wasn't so concerned about saying things that would be countercultural. Just look at, the, at John 4. It talks about Jesus um, was caught talking to a woman in private, on the side. And not only that, but a Samaritan woman, which Jews didn't do. They didn't do that. And it was also a gender barrier. But he wasn't afraid to, to push past the, the uh, cultural barriers and to talk to this person. He knew the job that needed to be done. He knew the need that what needed to happen. How about healing the bland on the Sabbath? The Sabbath, a day that is holy, a day that where you are not to work or do miracles, in some people's eyes, yet here he is, he's healing the blind man. Or how about when he called the Jewish people out that started to believe in him? And then they said, but it's through Abraham that we experience the kingdom of God. But he says, no, they need to choose God for themselves, not through the fact that they're inherited in to the kingdom. Or how about Peter's denials? I mean, there's lots of examples, but you see, Peter was a little offended, wasn't he? Saying, Lord, you know that I love you. Why do you think that I'm going to deny you? And then he called, Jesus called it. And what happened? He denied Jesus three times. You see, Jesus wasn't concerned about offending people, was he? And I think sticking his neck out was part of who he was and is making sure he did the right thing. Then there's this ultimate sacrifice that we heard about last week. We can't forget what just happened. Jesus was killed as a criminal, though he was not one. And did not sin. He did not do anything wrong. He risked his reputation over and over again and in the end risked his life for us. Jesus did whatever it took to be our Savior. He asked if there was any other way, but He He willingly came and died for us. He was willing to associate Himself with someone who sinned even though He did not. To pay the penalty for our sin even though he led that sinless life. While being fully God, Jesus being fully God and fully human, he did that for us. And that is incredible. Sticking our neck out for things could mean that we do something huge, right? That's what sticking your neck out is. It's, it's doing something that's gonna be, that's risky. Being associated with Jesus is not to be taken lightly. Sometimes I think we slip into that, don't we? We slip into our day-to-day r- regular routine and we, we think, oh yeah, well, you know. But then we forget that it's, we're so, we associate ourselves with Jesus when we say we follow him. Being here today, for some of you, is a risk, isn't it? I'm not pointing out anybody because I don't know where you come from. But for some of you, this is a risk to come. You know that people are thinking, oh, what are they doing going? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor. They're like, why are they going to church? Why do they bother? Some of you, it's a risk. For some of you, the rest of you, it's not. For you, it's every single Sunday, you come through our doors and you say, yep, it's not a risk and I'm coming and I'm just doing church and I'm going home. And it becomes that routine, doesn't it? We all do it. I come early, 30 every Sunday, at least, and it's my routine. And we all get stuck into that. Risking our lives doesn't mean that we're going to need to die on a cross. But on, in Colossians 3 verse 3, puts it this way that we who believe in Christ have died and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. Isn't that amazing? That's what's available for us when we follow Christ. Mark 15, 43 says that Joseph went to Pilate boldly to ask for Jesus' body, which could have ended badly. Joseph could have been punished as a member of the Jewish council. Being bold and sticking your neck for Jesus might mean that it won't turn out well. There was a fellow student, and you can see in the drawings um, above me, there was a fellow student I knew in high school named Matthew. And he was surprised, I was surprised because he, he wanted to be the student body president or something like that. And I hadn't heard him say five words. But I remember being, him being called up in front of the gym, the, the uh, bleachers pulled out from the wall. He started his speech of who he was and how he hoped to be elected. Just when I thought... We all thought he would start to list off a bunch of things that pertain to school and future. He decided he would take the opportunity to share how everyone in the room needs to repent of sins and turn to Jesus. It was my grade 12 year, and I had only recently turned to Christ. Watching the other students, and most memorably the vice principal laughing as he put his hand to his mouth to shield his reaction, this vice principal, and then taking the mic away from Matthew I felt so bad for him. Matthew stuck his neck out. And I don't think we can get too caught up in in the the debate whether he should have said that at that point or that sort of thing. But I think what's really interesting is about this story, about Matthew, is that he associated himself with Jesus and really didn't care what people thought. And that is incredible because that's something I couldn't have done in, in high school. There's also another story that I've got about a time when I was leading worship and I had recently, again, turned to Christ. I was about 18 and I remember that feeling when I'm leading worship, I'm in the middle of the stage and all of a sudden my frenemy, yes, my frenemy, my friend that's also an enemy and also a bully comes in on, the, my, on my left and I remember watching Mike coming in with his girlfriend I thought, like, what is he doing here? Who does he think he is that he comes in here? He is not a follower of Jesus. And I remember he came in, and, and, and I, was, I was wondering what was going on, and I heard later that his, his, his girlfriend made, made, encouraged him to come to, to church to try it out, because she didn't go either. But I remember that feeling, those weird feelings that I had inside. But, and one particular feeling was that I hadn't told him that I had turned to Christ. I don't have that great of a friendship with him, but I knew him quite well. And I was caught with that feeling of, okay cats out of the bag now. When I'm leading this hymn called My Jesus I Love Thee, <laughs> I'm not hiding anything. Am I? It was a weird feeling. I couldn't hide it. I was now associated with Jesus and his followers cuz I'm here. I'm I'm leading worship at this church. So how about you? Sometimes you need to be bold, and sometimes you need to risk your reputation. But being bold, now hear me out, being bold for Jesus will never risk your relationship with him. Being bold for Jesus will never risk your relationship with him. That is an awesome promise. To you who follow Jesus and have been marked with the Holy Spirit, yes, you have. If you follow him, you are marked with the Holy Spirit. There is no denying your association. You are marked. You are done. You are his. So we need to live how we're called to be, right? It includes me. When I'm feeling scared and unsure, Like I guess I have to associate myself. I already am. We need to live as a Christ follower. We need to own it. I told you the baptism story um, at the beginning of my second oldest uh, son, Benjamin. I mean, not of his baptism, but of his questions about baptism. And I have another story I want to share with you because I think he had no problem with doing this a few months ago. My wife, took, my wife, Christy, took him to the dentist. And at the dentist, he walked up to the counter. And here's the secretary. And this is what he just blurts out. I bet you don't know how much God loves you. <laughs> I'm sure Christy's face was just beat red. <laughs> I think mine would have been too. But there's no hiding it. There's no hiding it. Ben loves Jesus. He's, he's five at the time. He's six now. He wanted the secretary to know that too. I think sometimes we learn things from kids, hey? (laughs) Sometimes it's our own. I'm going to ask the band to come up at this time. Because what I, I want to ask you a few questions. I want us to really focus in on what we talked about tonight or today. What do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known for in life? Do you think your neighbors or your friends or your family know about your love for Jesus? It's not even possible for me for, to know your, all of your families and all your friends and all the first service and all your neighbors, but you do. Do your, do your neighbors know inside and out when you think they're not looking? Sometimes peeking in your window. You may not even realize what you're, what you're talking about with your, with your spouse or your kids right in front of your door. Is your life so similar to a life not lived for Jesus? that there isn't a difference. I don't know. Is that true for you? Think about this. For those of you who don't follow Jesus, I'm going to speak to you now. Because I know that there are some of you here, I'm sure there's some of you, of you here that feel this way. I know that there's got to be somebody in this room that has that feeling when you have that, when you look like, I want to associate myself with Jesus, and then you look at other Christians, you say, I want Jesus, but I do not want that. And what I'm going to say to you is, I understand, because I once was a non-Christian, And I think that it's very understandable that you may feel that way. And the reason why I feel that you can is because um, that it's okay because Jesus is perfect, but followers of Jesus aren't. And I put the blame on me too. That followers of Jesus aren't perfect, they will disappoint you often. I will disappoint you often. It's just going to happen. I'm not perfect. I'm going to fall short. They're going to fall short. However, from what I've experienced with Jesus in the last 19 years of my life, yes, I know that because I remember it was the day, I wrote it down, May 19th, or May 11th, I mean, of 1996, which is funny because of my my anniversary. Um, May 11th of 1996 was the day that I turned to Christ. I remember that day. It was almost completely 19 years ago that I decided to follow Jesus. And this is what I've learned. That living for Jesus is the best thing you could ever do. It is the best choice you could ever make. And if you haven't made that choice, you haven't made that choice. You haven't made the best choice in life. You may think it was your spouse, which is awesome. I love my spouse. And it was one of the best choices of my life. But the best choice that you'll ever have, and it's transformational, is that you turn to Jesus. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask us all to examine ourselves. Spend a moment at praying. So we're going to just bow our heads, cro- close our eyes. And Mason's going to start, start playing in the background, and we're gonna, I'm going to ask you this question. Because I think I, I dare you to ask God if there's something about your life that is not showing your association with Jesus, something that you're holding back. Go ahead and ask. The cool thing about coming to Jesus is that he hears. And when we pray to him, he hears us. God meets us. James 4.8 says that if we draw near to Jesus, he draws near, draw near to God, he draws near to you. We can claim that promise today and when we come before him, some of you are are heavy laden and heavy burdened because you have lots of stuff in your life. This is the chance to come to him and say, I just need you. When Jesus says, come all you who are weary, those of you who are weary, those of you who are tired right now, you can come to Jesus. Spend some time right now. Focus in on... Ask yourself, are you ready to live out your association with Jesus? Spend some time praying right now. we want to be known for being people that follow you we boldly ask that you will give us opportunities to be known for being associated with you we pray for boldness like Joseph knowing that people need your hope and I pray for the privilege of risking our lives to not caring about what people may think, say or do And God, I know that by me praying this, I know that what might happen is that their lives will be wrecked because now they've got these opportunities and now they have to decide. But I pray that we do see this in our church. I ask that you will work in us in a way that your great name will be priority number one. And not only priority number one, but priority only that everything else is secondary. Give us strength and courage, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.